Welcome to the Fail Forward podcast. The purpose of this podcast is change the negative stigma around failure into a positive. Failure is only a negative if we do not learn from it and we give up. Welcome back to the Fail Forward podcast. Today, I've got Graham Todd with me, who prefers to be known as Todd. So Todd, welcome to the Fail Forward podcast. It's great to have you here. I met Todd at Expert Empires as I attempt to meet a lot of people these days because it's such an amazing event. It's ran by Nick James, um, but me and Todd specifically um, got on like a house on fire from the moment we met each other, end up going out for some food, realized we've got a lot in common. And I was like, right, I need to get Todd on the podcast and get to know him more and get my audience to know him. So great to have you on Todd. Um, so tell us, how I know you run is it spaghetti marketing now spaghetti agency yeah. spaghetti agency which is a marketing agency right correct yeah okay so let's to take us back as far as you need to go to tell us how you got into marketing or even before that you know what what's your journey been like up until this point oh cool uh, accidental i think is if i could sum it up in a word is how it's been so far uh, i kind of bumbled around without starting from when i was born i bumbled around until i was about sort of early 20s and stuff and did a few jobs here and there and uh, stumbled into the wine industry in, I don't know when this was, it was quite a while back, sort of late 20s, early 30s. And I, I, I drove a van for 11 years and I loved it. I was, I was, uh, I don't think that's quite on the tools like your guys, but I was in a van and I loved it. You know, I used to drive yeah. around London once a week and um, it was good fun. Uh, well, it's a fun place to drive, isn't it, London? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fun is not the word I'd use for me. <laughs> uh, challenging is the word I'd use. But, uh, you know, congestion charges every week. Oh, shit, I forgot that thing. <laughs> every week. Uh, but it was, I enjoyed it, and I did it for like 11 years. And it's because of that that I got into marketing, weirdly. Because I went to a, a wine tasting at some point during that 11 years. And um, I, we, we, the business that I worked with, it was a small family-run business. They'd moved to a, a little warehouse just outside of town in Warwick, which I, well, I'm now still based in. And... They had this kind of shop and they never had a shop before. So they had this marketing uh, need. They needed people to come into the shop and uh, they're trying a few things, mostly traditional stuff. And they um, did loads of wine tastings, went to loads of wine tastings. And uh, there was a one opportunity where um, I was sent to a wine tasting. I think my boss at the time was poorly, been to a wine tasting somewhere else and was a bit sick. <laughs> so uh, so uh, he sent me along. It, it was meant and, to be um, then by the sounds thing. That I met this guy like there fame. called... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it probably was. The universe said, go. <laughs> and uh, I, met, I, reconnected with this, I reconnected with this guy called John, uh, who also ran a wine merchants nearby. And, and uh, he asked me a question. Uh, always, uh, I'm always grateful I answered wrong. So he said, uh, how's business? And like, if you're in business, you're supposed to say, um, you know, it's great. Uh, I'm busy. <laughs> Things are on the up. <laughs> Things are okay. And uh, I didn't say that. I said, it's, it's shit. How's yours? Because <laughs> uh, we were struggling. We were struggling. We were struggling to get um, uh, people into the shop. We were struggling to sell anything online. We had this new website, which was pretty horrendous, actually. And uh, and he said, oh, you should join Twitter. And uh, and that, that one suggestion, which weirdly for me, I took on board and, and just accepted. I, I usually question things. Um, that, that set me on this trajectory of online marketing. So I joined Twitter and did a horrendous job at it for three or four months. And then um, started getting into storytelling and writing content and a bit of SEO and and yeah, got myself sort of mini famous around here. Got myself a little community, started a little networking community, and uh, yeah, the kind of the rest, as I say, is history. But it, now I run my own agency. I've done for ten years, um, taking what I learned from those kind of first three months. It, what sort of time is this? What sort of year are we talking about that you got into start doing the Twitter stuff? And you, this is this was happening. So this was like twenty twenty ten, two thousand ten. Um, and then 2011 sort of really started using it, did my first networking event, got people from Twitter into real life. And then a couple of years after that, 2013, I, uh, I quit. And, and in, in the space of six months in 2013, I, I quit my marriage. I moved house, quit my job, started a business, started a new relationship and moved in here where I am today with my partner who I met on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, the, the whole, the whole world changed within six months. And, uh, yeah, and uh, I think a lot's changed since then, but those things have stayed. I, I, I'm still here, still running the business, still with my partner, Joe, who uh, I met on Twitter all those years ago. And uh, so, yeah, that, 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 that wine tasting I went to literally changed my life <laughs> and joining social media changed my life. And I don't think you can say that about many things, but I can about that. No, that's amazing because obviously you were on a trajectory, you're working for a company, 
boss is boss is ill you turn up to a networking event you know obviously it's not as straightforward as that because there was still a lot of of, of what you were you had to put into that so how what was it like making those big decisions to leave that company at that point and and you know make those you know because that's a pretty bold thing to do is to leave a company also you know end a end a life relationship etc so how was that how were you feeling at those times it's it's weird because I often get asked this because if you sort of map those things out in six months, people think, geez, that's like literally the biggest things you can do, according to most people's belief, you know, change a relationship, move house, quit your job, start a business. I mean, there's four huge things. And I don't say that's kind of show off. I say that because it really was just so easy to do because it was the right thing to do. And I feel very fortunate. I don't know whether it was fate or what. I kind of believe in that, that, that stuff to a point. Um, and. I felt pushed into it. Like, like the, the reason I split with, with my ex-wife was because she she was having affairs with someone else. So it was like, well, there's nothing there. Um, I was never really happy where I lived. Um, the job I did, I'd fallen in love with the social media side of it. I didn't really like the van driving and the warehouse side of it anymore because I found something I really, really had a passion for, but it was just a side hustle. And I couldn't really see a way out of it. And then people started offering us... Um, like, could you do our Twitter for us? Could you run our Facebook for us? Can you teach me how to do it? And I started running workshops and um, I just feel like I was pushed into it. And then, you know, when I found out my marriage was over, I left. <laughs> when I found out someone really liked me from Twitter, I, I, I got with her and I, <laughs> and, and I had opportunity to run a bit of a side hustle, which turned into a bit more than a side hustle. I just continued to do it. Um, so it was, it's difficult now because it's such a long time ago, but it, it really felt just like just the easiest thing to do. Although I had a lot of, support and a lot of lucky things happened and you know it was a fortunate thing i had good equity in the house at the time and um we actually sat down with a business coach um not long before i quit my job and sort of laid it out on the table and, and said to you look you know this is what we want to do we want to start our own business we're not really sure how to do it and it's that kind of moment where you're like you know you've got to make the leap but it's scary so like why if i fuck it all up i've got a sort of comfortable job here which you know wine it's fairly recession proof they're a good business you know they're going to retire in five or six years time there could be some opportunity. all these things that go on in your head and this business coach sort of said to me now do you really want to start your own business do you want to do this social thing i said like i love doing it but i'm not sure if i can afford to do it and he said well haven't you just sold your house i mean oh yeah, yeah i've sold my house so you've got the equity yeah i've got this much money how long could you live on that for and, and and it was the answer to that question that just I just quit after I answered it. I was like, well, probably a year if I was quite careful. I could live for a year and literally generate no money at all. And obviously, I was already generating some money, not massive money, but some money. So I quit within two weeks. I just quit. I had no contract, I had nothing. So I just quit. I quit. I got a decent contract off someone I'd met, someone I'd known since school, needed some SEO, did a bit of part time with them. Off we went. So. It was hard, but it wasn't hard. It was just, yeah, it would have been, it would have been harder to say no to some of the stuff at the end. The end. Um, but, but I'm glad I did. And actually, as it turns out, 2020, that kind of ruined that business I was at because that whole business was built around hospitality, pubs, trade, restaurants. I mean, like, I don't know what's happened to it now. I know that it still sort of exists, but it wouldn't have existed with what I was doing for it. And it wouldn't have been able to support the people that were working there. So yeah. yeah. Wow. Yes, with twist of fate. Amazing twist of fate, and you know, you said you got lucky through that time, but I'm a believer in that we make our own luck. I remember years ago, people used to say to me all the time, "Oh, you." I remember going down the pub, and it was the most annoying thing that I used to get said to me all the time is that we'd won this big contract and business was pretty good. This is before it all went wrong, and people used to come up to me and say, "Oh, Henry, you're so lucky. You know, you got really lucky getting that contract." And I used to think that that's like the, the worst thing someone can say to you because I, I believe that yes, we get lucky. Everyone does, but you make your own luck by going out doing things and you're obviously you know made your own luck by building having the equity in your house because of what you've been the 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 the, the effort and the graft you put in up to, up to that point to to get you to a point of having that house you know you made your own luck by making bold decisions as well and taking action on bold decisions so you know massively hats off to you and because I'm a massive advocate for business coaches and, and and what they do, and a lot of people say, "Oh, what what's the point in business coach?" And I just love what you said then about that. You know, you had all these difficult decisions to make, and and you then sat down with a business coach. So how? Just tell me how um, important do you think that coach was at that specific time to to get you on that trajectory? Oh, it's life changing, and and I and I was the same as, as some of the skeptics you described there. What's the point of a business coach? Um, you know, a life coach was pointing that. Uh, I still have a coach now. It's not the same coach. Uh, I've had two coaches since then. I've got a fitness coach. I've had food coaches. Um, I've had money mindset coaches. Like 
why would you climb a mountain on your own? Why, why wouldn't you just find someone that's been up there? And ask how they got up there. How did you get up there? What tools yeah. did you use? What shoes are you wearing? Uh, you, why wouldn't you do that? I don't understand it um, now. But it's like, why would you not do that? And so Robert's actually uh, practicing. So he was just getting into business coaching at the time, but the guy that sort of helped me quit. Um, and it was Joe that really helped me quit, my partner. So she got me in this meeting with Rob. And Rob was trying to get his coaching hours up. So it was all complimentary. I didn't pay for it. And it was all helpful. It was brilliant. I mean, he's a, an engineer by trade and very analytical, suits my mind. But a true business coach is not someone that tells you what to do. They ask you the right questions. So you answer them. And then you realize, oh, fucking hell, yeah, I could do that. I could just do it. It's, and if I look at all the decisions that, that, that Joe and I have made in the business, they're, they're our decisions. We, we were just prompted in the right way and yes sometimes you lead the witness a little bit but a really good business coach is there to help you and support you and yeah sometimes i ask my coach to stop coaching me just fucking tell me what you want me to do what would you do if this was your business you do that i'm just going to do i'm going to put those shoes on and climb that mountain that's fine but a lot of the time you actually need to make the decision yourself and i think a true business coach helps you make the decision yourself so you're comfortable bought into it and, and all of those things um because we all know what we should and shouldn't do or could or couldn't do uh, you know we do we, you can read a business book and go right those are the things to do and then sometimes you don't do them so there's something holding you back and it's usually yourself so a good business coach kind of helps you navigate around yourself after the time yeah absolutely love that and and quite often and you probably get this all the time is when they 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 give you some advice or, or ask a question and then you like ah, oh, i know this stuff <laughs> like it's so close to your face <laughs> the most and, annoying thing and you're like <laughs> I'm paying you a lot of money to tell me yeah. things that I already know, but they're so, yeah, it's yeah. so important, isn't it? Cause you go around yeah. life and you're so like, got all your stuff going on. And obviously even before we started recording this, we were both like, oh, I was so busy today. And you're sort <laughs> yeah. of flying around and then you have a moment where you catch up with your coach and you're like, ask you a couple of questions. You're like, oh yeah, why am I doing it that way? Or why am I not doing this? And it's sometimes so obvious, but so needed, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I recommend anyone that's not got a coach to just even, check out look a coach of some sort it's because because of the mountain analogy but also because half the time nearly all the time you actually got the answers but you need someone training and asking the right questions and coaching you through the process and sure sometimes i'll ask my coach like you know we've got a cash flow thing going on what's this how does this work and you know there's some logical things and some stuff you can actually put in place of course but a lot of the big decisions like employing staff or getting a new office or you know taking on different types of clients like you you know what you want to do and you kind of know how to do it but you almost need someone to say yeah that's correct go and do it well i do anyway sometimes i just need that that permission of like yes Todd, that's a fantastic idea you can go and do that thank you i will <laughs> and it works both ways as well to go no henry that's stupid <laughs> don't do that <laughs> yeah. okay yeah maybe i'm just getting a bit too a bit too positive about things because uh, you know i you know you have those moments and it works both ways right but generally it is just an agreement of, of that um so yeah i mean i absolutely love that i mean like i've just um signed up to do the marathon next year um the london marathon and i thought it was next october it's not it's next april um <laughs> so i've got six training time been halved yeah i've already got an injury <laughs> But the first thing I did was went, right, okay, I need a coach. I need a running coach. And I need not just a, a PT. I need someone that's done long distance running. And so I found myself a coach immediately because, like, you're right with that. That mountain analogy is brilliant because I'm thinking, well, if they've done that before, they're going to tell me how I can do that. And because I'm competitive, I also want to do it for a good time. So, um, you know, I want to make sure that I'm competitive against other people of my age and, and sort of skill set. So you're exactly right. You know, so many people will get a coach, you know, or get a personal trainer. But when it comes to their business, they're quite, you know, pig headed when it comes to it. And I think definitely, you know, it sounds like going back to that time with, with, with that, that chap that you met, that coach, and especially if it was done as a bit of a favor as well, you know, that's definitely the kind of right things that you needed to hear. I mean, let's Face it, you were going to be doing it anyway, weren't you? But it just helps give you that that extra push, doesn't it? I think so. I think so. It's just the right moment, right time. I'm actually writing a talk at the moment I'm giving next week about timing and how marketing is very important with timing. But I think there's there's a lot of timing stuff as well with decisions. Like I said, said just now, you know, logically, lots of us know, you know, theoretically, what the right things are to do in a relationship with your health, with your business, with money, with family. We know really what we need to do, but we're not doing them. And it's kind of that dichotomy of being a human. We're like, I know what I need to do, but I feel like doing it, so I'm not going to do it. And it's like that kind of weird, annoying thing where you wrestle with yourself all the time. And sometimes it's just the right time and everything just works and it flows and you're like, I'm just doing it. It just happened. There was no real decision needed, no real energy behind it. And um, that's certainly what's happened in the, in the biggest stuff that I've done in life. It's just, it's just felt easy. Um, 
I bet you, I bet you feel the same, right? When you did big stuff, big things, it just, just worked. And then everything around it that should be, when, when you think about it, I could, should have been really difficult to sell my house, but I sold it in six weeks to a cash buyer. Fuck, how did that happen? <laughs> and lots of it seems far too good. Very lucky, as you said just now, very lucky. And it just enabled a, it enabled an easy divorce. It enabled an easy house sale. It enabled an easy, I had no contract. Jesus, like all of these things were so easy to do. Um, so yeah, part of me thinks maybe it was just fate. I don't know. Yeah, meant it meant to be at that point in your life because you know there are times when you feel like you're paddling upstream and and you're like, why is this taking so long and why is this happening? But you know, sometimes I think that's when you know it sounds like it was fate for you. You made your own luck. You put yourself. You got in that position, um, and it's given you the right trajectory to where you are now. So just wanted to talk around you've mentioned the voice in your head and I've, I certainly have this all the time and it's that limiting belief and I certainly I put a status yesterday on Facebook my favorite saying of all time is is Henry Ford saying whether you think you can or you think you can't you're right and that goes around in my head all the time because I always say oh you can't do this and they're like no no, no you can but just talk to me around what you do to get around that voice in your head because I think we all have it um, I just don't think people talk about it that often that we all have this you know people see successful people don't they and just think okay you know they've it's linear they've gone straight up but they don't see that they don't see all of the, the challenges and battles so I just really wanted to dig deeper into that Todd yeah well, at first I agree I, I think I don't think I know everyone's got another voice in their head because every time I bring this up other people oh yeah me too and I said to someone yesterday I actually talk to myself out loud unapologetically in my office and sometimes when my team are there I actually I chatter to myself because it's going on in there anyway and all people are different, but I process my inner sort of voice and thoughts and things and problems by talking about them. Um, so as my business coach will testify, I, I WhatsApp him every day, just a voice note, I try and keep it to under five minutes, but it's usually just me just laying out my thought process on something. And that's how I think. And then I listen to it back, which is listen to my voice note back. And I'm like, oh, that's me talking. And so it's interesting I use that word. And so I actually just talk to myself because there's kind of the habitual me. And then there's the new me, the person I want to be, and I'm, I'm, I'm over 40 now, so I'm probably having some sort of midlife crisis. I'm sure that's happening. And so, and then the seven-year-old me is like, hang on a fucking minute. No, that's not, that's not how life is. You know, we were taught this, and, and then that's it. We're locked down. No, you can't learn anything new. And so I feel like there's these two sort of two parts of the brain arguing. And I, I think the chimp paradox, Professor C. Peter's book, like I love, it kind of highlights it really well, that there's lots of different parts of your brain or you know, and doing different things and keeping you alive and this and fear is okay because it's the, and I think there's some really cool parts to it. And so, so I'm like, well, fuck it. Let's just have a conversation about it. <laughs> Let's just talk to myself. So I do it. I thought I, I talk about myself sometimes in the third person to my business coach. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course I would do that, wouldn't I? Because I do that because of this and Todd would do this. I, I, I find it helps to, to, to sort of coach yourself and, and be a good friend to yourself because you're there all the fucking time. And if you're going to be a bastard to yourself, I'm like, not going to help is it you may as well you may as well like i had a chat to myself earlier a situation happened and i was driving the car and i was like i said like, well that didn't really work out that well did it no so why did we do that is there anything we can learn from it i'm literally talking to myself in the car as i'm driving well we could probably learn that from it because really i know that in the moment that was probably what you felt like doing but now now you regret it we don't really want to be regretting things in the future i'm literally talking to myself i'm in the car and i'm pretending i'm there but it really helps because i'm, I'm coaching myself and obviously the advice i'm getting from the rest of the world is coming in and trying to try to help out at that point but uh, yeah i think there's an inner voice i really do em embracing it and i love the fact that you are embracing it because i think a lot of us try and you know a lot of people try and push it to one side and then ignore it but you know i certainly learned from my addictive first part of my personality when i got a lot of uh, sort of lots of different counselors and psychologists and they said you shouldn't be pushing your thoughts to one side you should be letting them sit with them so by the sound of things even you just talking them out that just brings everything out and, you, and you're floating it and i think you know without going down one rabbit hole about men's mental health i think the more we talk about it whether it's to ourselves or to other people the more we can lift our thoughts the more lighter the load becomes and you know, I think, uh, I don't know what book it is I read, but it was recently, and it said in it, it wh why would you talk to yourself in a negative way, in a poor way? Because you wouldn't talk to someone else like that because you're a polite person. So you're the number one person you need to be looking after. So why would you talk to yourself like shit? That, that is so true. And it landed with me recently with someone I was working with and, and they were working with me and saying, like helping with with a mindset issue. And they said, well, meditation's great, but why don't you read this script and record it with your own voice and then listen to yourself back? Because you're the, you're the one person you listen to the most of the time and you're the one person you really, really respond to as well. So if you've got like a, 
a script or a, a money mindset type thing or, or, or something comes up kind of mantra you want to read out. Like, you should read them out loud, but I think you should record it and listen to yourself because it's like, Father. and I do that naturally by, by accident with these WhatsApp messages. And I think your own voice, your inner voice is, uh, is powerful. So as you say, if you speak to yourself like shit, <laughs> like, it's a bad thing. Really, it is. it's bad. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's you're right. I've heard that before about recording, um, recording your own affirmations and voice and everything, and I've just not done it, and I need to do it. So this is like this today. It's a human thing. I'm gonna, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna make sure I do it. I mean, you're right. It's the human thing. It, it life. If you strip life back completely, it's it's just a game of decisions, isn't it? You decide to drink. You decide not to drink. You decide to eat. At mcdonald's you decide not to you decide to do you know it's, it's decisions but if it was that easy you know you just go yep i'm going to decide to do this today but you get everything else that comes in in into into the world as well that that influences us and emotion and all those things on top of that so so yeah i'm really enjoying this conversation because it's gone to somewhere where i didn't realize we'd be talking about our inner thoughts but it's really very poignant right now because i think it's a great thing to talk about and self-talk I think it's everything when we're trying to create success in our business, in our lives. Um, and again, that saying, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. If you think you can take on the world, then you're going to be able to. If you think, no, I can't do that, fuck that, I'm not doing it, then we're just not going to be able to do it. So absolutely love that. And just wanted to get on to a little bit because it sort of just came up then. One of the things that we connected on quite well when we were at Expert Empires is that we both don't drink. Um, and it's get, becoming more now i'm meeting more and more people that have quit drink and having great success from it and i've always said to everybody on this podcast that everyone has their own formula and i don't believe that you know everybody every successful person you know i'm sure there's millionaires and billionaires out there that have drank every day of their life and they're still doing really really well but for me to try and find success i knew i had to quit alcohol because it, it limited me and what i could do and then when we met we connected and talked about it a lot and i think you know I really loved hearing your story. But for me, I think trying to share that with more people and the, the fact that alcohol, not drinking alcohol has been had such a positive effect on people is really powerful thing to talk about. So just tell me a little bit about your experience with alcohol and where it took you and, and then how you quit and how you feel now. Yeah, so um, as, a, as a small boy, I didn't drink, but as a small boy, I was surrounded by drink, as I'm sure everyone in the UK was. It's a, it's a socially acceptable thing to do. Um, but I, I remember fondly being in pubs as a kid, camping holidays, canal boats, and, and alcohol for me is a very happy um, thing. It, it makes me feel safe. It makes me feel happy. It makes me feel comfortable, protected, because it was always around when I was protected as a child. Uh, and, and that's an important point when I tell you why I quit. Um, I've, I've always drank since I was... 15 uh, started as a teenager as most people do although less so nowadays i think there's a trend i think there's a trend coming um and just i think i was a, just a normal drinker I may have said this to expert empires i don't think i was like a massive drunk um but i did drink a lot and i i always say that you, you go to a doctor and they they check all your stats and they say how much do you drink a week and you give that answer because like, i'm not telling the truth <laughs> it's probably really bad. I, that, like the, the answer i could have given if you wrote down was like geez that's quite a lot of booze and i'm saying that's normal um i'd probably lie to a doctor therefore it's probably not a good number um but i, I drank when i was happy when i was sad i drank when i got married i drank when i got divorced uh, i drank on my birthday i drank on a friday <laughs> i drank a lot and i was like oh i'm getting hangovers and i'm getting fat and and i think it was about five years ago something like that i i had hypnosis because um uh, I saw someone on Facebook that he was really, really famous for getting people off, off cigarettes with hypnosis. And uh, and I just knew him as the hypnosis to quit smoking guy. I thought nothing of it until he posted on Facebook one day that he'd been sober for like seven years or something. I was like, wow, I can't even do dry January. Has he done that? And I really wanted to stop drinking in a week. So I reached out to him and, and said, how did you do that? And he said, I hypnotized myself. I'm like, fuck off. How did you do that? And he said, well, you know, it's quite complicated, but I could hypnotize you to stop drinking. And I was like... <laughs> Right then, let's try it. So he did. 45 minutes on FaceTime. I never drank again in a week, ever. I never drank in a week again. But about two years ago, I started noticing that 4.30pm on a Friday, when I allowed myself to drink during that hypnosis, became 4pm on a Friday. And then it became 12pm on a Friday. And then, oh, it's a holiday. That means I can drink on a Thursday and a Wednesday. It's bank holiday Monday. That's basically a weekend. I was like, ah, this is all coming back in. And uh, I started 
going down this train of thought that you did at the, at the beginning of the introduction of this part of like thinking, do successful people really get pissed every weekend? Are successful people drinking cans of lager on their own? Are successful people in the corner of a pub with their AirPods on looking at Facebook? I'm not really sure that they are. And started looking around and listening to people. I thought, does Elon Musk get drunk? He probably hasn't got the time. Does Richard Branson get pissed? Probably not. And then I look back at my wine days. 11 years of driving a van, you couldn't really drink much. But at the weekends, we did weddings, we did parties, we did Christmas uh, parties for very, very, very wealthy people. Like, you know, footballers would turn up. I, I served Jeremy Clarkson once. Like, there were some really cool people at these parties. Very successful people, millionaires, billionaires. And the people that ran the parties, the people that paid the bills, were my target because my boss would always say make sure that the the the, the guy has got a full glass of champagne because it's really important that he has a full glass of champagne because he will assume everyone else has got a full glass of champagne therefore we've done a good job so it's kind of a self-serving job but that's what we, what we would do and the main guy or girl but it was usually a guy put the hand over the glass like nearly all the time i was like and then of course the bubbles would go flat in the, in the champagne and my boss would turn up and check how things were god mr so-and-so's got a flat glass on he literally won't have a top up he won't have a topper. So I remember that back and I thought, geez, all the successful people I've met in, in, in that world generally didn't drink that much. They kept themselves sober because they were still doing business deals. Even at their daughter's wedding, they were having conversations. They'd used it as networking. So I kind of built this story that successful people don't drink. Um, and then 2021 20, September at Expert Empires, I was sat on the front row and all these thoughts had been happening for a while. The inner chatter, the little chats to my conversations to myself. My gut was getting bigger. My bank was getting smaller. <laughs> I was having more hangovers. I was eating more McDonald's to get over it. And fried breakfasts really do cure a hangover, if you, in case you wondered. And I was like, I just, I just want to stop doing this. And everyone on stage looked awesome. They all looked awesome. They all looked amazing. It was right up close and personal. And then the final one was a guy called Ed Milet, who's this big American character. Um, talks about personal development and, and, and all sorts of stuff. He talks about his, your barometer and all sorts. It's some really great content. Check him out. But he gave this talk about his father, who was an alcoholic, and it really landed with me how it ruined their family and how even even after he became sober, he you know he, he this guy who was you know on his way out because of his health then helped other people stay sober. And this story really resonated with me, and it something landed with me. And then just after that talk had finished, I was just like, so I'm done. I'm not going to have a drink again, and I, and I haven't ever had a drink again. So I just quit there and then in that room, sat watching some guy on Zoom because he streamed in because it was kind of post-COVID, America, UK, a bit complicated with flights and stuff. And uh, it was like a hypnotic state. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe it triggered that hypnosis thing. But just like quitting my job, I just quit drinking. And it was a huge part of my, it wasn't just a part of my life, it was part of my identity. And I think that's the key thing. And you'll maybe resonate with this. I had to change my identity. I was no longer someone you saw in the pub. I was someone you saw in the gym. I was no longer someone that on a Friday night at 4.30 left my office. I was someone that was at 4.30 on a Friday was in my office on my own and got more shit done. It's a different identity that I have now, and I've had to really work at changing that. Um, but it's been a great move. <laughs> and I don't know whether successful people don't drink or not, but I'm going to keep telling myself that until, until the back end of my mind catches up, because <laughs> at the moment it believes me. <laughs> I, I think the thing is, is I tell myself that I need to be sober to be successful. So... For me to be successful and turn up to be successful, to be the best dad, to be the best husband, to be the best friend, to be the best businessman, I need to be sober. And I think that's the key thing. You know, yes, I think it works for other people, but it's got to work for you. And and you're you're right in in what you're saying. In the sense, um, you had to you have got to change who you are. Because I was known as Henry, the life and soul of party. We used to have parties. Mm. I used to be the you know last one standing, and that took a lot because you suddenly feel like well, that's that's me. That's that's who I'm known as as a person. Mm so how can i turn up as the same person how can i still you know sometimes it still plays a part in your mind like am i being exciting am i still being a good am i still able to have fun um but then i just find my fun in other ways now um and you know there's there's lots of different ways for finding fun and actually what you said at the beginning which is quite funny you sort of eat you drink when you're sad you drink when you're happy whether you get divorced whether you get married i remember specifically before i gave up it was the last world cup we beat germany um celebrated got in at five in the morning we then lost to croatia got in at five in the morning and my wife was like it didn't matter who won or lost did they and i was like no it didn't really because the same outcome happened we either celebrated or commiserated and it was all just part of part of it it was just an excuse to go right let's get fucked um yeah, exactly and that's partly why it's pretty i mean the ed Milet thing and it was kind of i kind of look at that it's like that's the moment i quit that must something must have happened in that room and and i kind of muck around with this in my mind going 
what did he say? And what was it? What was it? Some hypnotic thing? And I think, no, it was just the right time for someone to say the right thing. I'd actually probably made the decision in 2020 when COVID turned up. And there was all these kind of like, you've got to be careful if you're old. You've got to be careful if you're, you know, a certain ethnicity. You've got to be careful if you're, you've got to be careful if you're obese. And I was like, shit, am I obese? And I sort of measured myself and thought, oh, fuck, I'm obese. Well, that's kind of bad in itself. But now I might get COVID. I might die. And I thought, oh, no, it's just media bullshit. I'm not going to buy into it. And I sort of went by either side of this kind of thing. And then it got to like end of 2021. And of course, the winter's come in and the virus has come back. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. The viruses are coming back. So I'm not really in a good health to take on a virus I haven't had yet. And so part of me was like, we need to shape up. And the other part of me was like, you're not really that successful. And the other part of me was like, you look terrible in pictures. And I speak on stage and I do interviews and I run networking events. There's pictures of me all over the bloody internet. I was like, I look shit now. I don't, I don't like pictures of myself. And it was the first time I'd really sort of thought that. So all of this stuff kind of came together. So I can kind of, I can kind of give it to Ed Marnett for convincing me, but I think so much other stuff had happened at the same time. Uh, and it just was the right moment. It was timing again. We we're talking about timing earlier, but timing, you know, you're, you're ready to quit. And I think I was the same. Um, I was, I was ready to take that on at that point and it's it's a, a huge thing because society is so ingrained with alcohol and that's the biggest problem you know like you, you look at um any sitcom tv adverts the football's on now you know world cups on it's all based around banning the football what story that is not banning the football banning the alcohol it's a, it's a huge story it, and it's like but you're in another country and you've gone there and you're watching the football and it's great you've got tickets like and we won. Oh, yeah, you can't drink it. Like, that's still a story. And you're like, yeah, that would have been a story for me too. That would have pissed me off too. But not anymore. Because it's like, well. Yeah, because you're there for the football. And, you know, I love dancing. But are you, Henry? Yeah. But are, are you there for the football? Well, that's the thing. I would have been. And the thing is, people still think I'm crazy because I go out to nightclubs in London and I'm nearly 40 years old and I'm sober. And people go, what? You go out to nightclubs in London and you don't drink. That's just, how do you do that? I'm like, because I'm there for the music. You know, I'm there for the music. And it's like, if you love football, you're there for the football, not the booze. But obviously a lot of people go for the for the booze because that's what they see as the fun part. But actually, like, I think you can enjoy, you've got to remember why you do, why you go to the football. Why do you go out with your friends to socialise? Why do you go to a nightclub? It's because of those things that are there, that the, the alcohol is just there as, as, as sort of supplementary part of it, you know? So... It's definitely one of the one of the main reasons why I quit art. There's a lot of main reasons. I find myself saying this a lot. <laughs> it's one of the main reasons. There's many main reasons. Um, is that I started making decisions on doing things because I could drink at them. Like, oh yeah, we could go and see your mum and dad because your dad will open the wine. Oh yeah, we could go to uh, that meeting because there'll be drink there. Oh yeah, we could do that at three o'clock because at four thirty I can get to the pub. Oh yeah, we could go on holiday because at lunchtime I could drink. And I was like. I can't make all of my decisions based on whether or not there'll be alcohol there or or like when COVID came along, this is a silly example, but it kind of sums it up. I couldn't go to my local tip, my local recycling centre as they call it, where they'd be throwing your shit away. Um, you couldn't just go there, you had to book in. So I had to book in. So I deliberately booked in so when I drove back from the tip, I could go to the pub. So I was planning my entire weekend around pub opening times when I could drink and I was like, yeah, this is not what life's about. And like you were saying there, you go to the football because you enjoy it, you go to a nightclub because you love the music. I wasn't enjoying anything anymore because it all had to be because of drinking. And then when I really looked at it, I thought, I don't even enjoy a drink. <laughs> I don't even like that. What am I doing? What is it? I've been completely trapped by the fact that every single Netflix documentary has someone drinking. Every single wedding has a drink. For 11 years, I served people drink at funerals, weddings, birthdays. So shit, I've been totally fooled. I've been hoodwinked by, I don't know, the elite, <laughs> whatever it is you think's out there. You know, I don't, it's, it just feels like we've all been tricked into it. It feels like a trick, um, whether it is or it isn't. Um, I feel better now. I'm not being tricked. Yeah, yeah. So tell me now, how you like? So how long have you not drunk for, and how how's your life been since quitting alcohol? So 14 and a bit months now. I think I'm still counting, so it shows it's early. Yeah. <laughs> I still know. <laughs> I still got the app running. Um, and uh, like it's weird, really, because I always get asked this because it's the obvious question. I I don't really remember now how I felt when I was drinking. I know I feel great now. I don't know whether it's out of 10 where I'm at on that scale. I know not long after I quit that probably it took six, seven weeks to, for any real difference to happen. And so I had to really talk myself, coach myself, talk to myself through that process and logically say, look, here's what people say. Here's what someone that's been up that mountain has said. <laughs> when you get to this level, you, you know, you'll be able to see a better view. Let's just keep walking. Because to start with, it was like, I don't feel any better. 
it's like dry January season's coming and people will do dry January and then people say, oh, are you sleeping any better? And they'll all lie to themselves and say, yeah, you're not. It'll make any difference after four weeks. I've done that lie. I've done dry January. I've lost fuck all weight because I've eaten other food instead of drinking. I've slept the same. And I've told myself, oh yeah, I'm sleeping much better. Look at my Apple Watch. I don't think anything really happens that quickly if you're a human being. Business doesn't happen quickly. Um, habits don't burn in quickly. And I think it takes time. And I've now the data with blood tests for your liver and all those things to improve that quickly. Um, personal, obviously anecdotal, I don't have any evidence for that, but it did take six, seven, eight weeks for me to really feel different. Uh, now I'm a totally different person. Like I get up at 4.45 a.m. every day, I go to the gym every day, apart from Sunday, and I even go on Sunday now because I get bored. Um, I'm three and a half, four stone lighter. I'm a completely different shape, size, like um, much like you. I mean, my physique has changed. My conversations have changed. My habits have changed. My friends have changed. My Facebook has changed. My fucking ads on Facebook have changed. <laughs> they think I own a gym. I talk about it so much. Um, my team has changed. My team at work now, meal prep, they don't drink as much. They're looking at what they eat. They've done food intolerance tests. Um, it's, and then people ask me. I've had a message from somebody the other night saying, I told her, I'm going out to a party. It's the first time I've gone to a party since I quit drinking. Oh, by the way, I quit drinking because I've been following your Facebook posts. What do I do at the party? I'm like, just drink something else. Like, just find something else you like and drink it. And I said, if you're really worried about not fitting in, just drink alcohol-free beer. Um, it, it's just the whole, my whole world is different now. Um, and yeah, I feel better. I've done blood tests. Um, I did a blood test in 2017 um, for someone I was working with at the time. And we decided to redo it. And the, the data is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal difference in my body but you can't really see it so i like data so i thought i better get some data to back it up and uh yeah apparently i've repa i've repaired my liver apparently it's all fucking a1 my testosterone is a1 it's brilliant so that's yeah, really good love that love that yeah i went to the doctor this year i go to the doctor every year to get blood tests because i suffer from high blood pressure since i was young and this year they were like oh you are the lowest score that you've ever had on any sort of cardiac issues or anything and i was like well that's just because everything you're saying like i'm looking after my body now you know i'm not drinking overeating i'm exercising and all that stuff is it's not just you suddenly just quit alcohol when you start going out going oh i'm going to exercise it's because you just have so much more energy like you have so much more time <laughs> like you're not just like trying to pick up the pieces every morning and going for that fry up or going for that mcdonald's and going shit i've got to get through today you know you just got burning more energy haven't you you got i follow a guy called um james smith he's a pt you may have seen him on facebook he's quite outspoken and uh, he talks about neat which is i forget what the actual um, an acronym stands for but it's like the energy you burn while yeah, so you, you, you burn, you just burn energy. You and I burn energy doing this podcast um, and because uh, we're just talking and we're using our brain. And uh, it, it's the, the extra neat you have because you're not drunk, hungover. <laughs> it, it's all of those things you do because of it. So I totally agree. It's not just you know, stop drinking and suddenly become healthy. It's the rest of the world, the, the ripple effect that you have with your life that changes. Um, so it's, it's, it's the ripple effect. It's the things that you do because of it. I think make a really big difference because you change your identity, you change what you do. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely love that. Yeah, absolutely love that. So tell me, Todd, about your agency. So we were talking about it earlier. You you, you, you went and started this agency. Um, how many years ago is that now? Was it nine years this year? So it's 10 years next July. So yes, yeah, so it's nine years old now. 10 years. So those bold decisions you made at that point has taken you on to a 10-year business journey. So what's that journey been like? And and, and how have you grown? And, and, and what, what are your niches in the, in the marketing industry, if any? Yeah, so we stick to online uh, content so we create blogs and emails and social media um so very much what i started doing back in the days in that, in that van um so it's we started on a training angle that's kind of that was my side hustle and i, I worked um for the, the wine merchant covid put a stop to training because it was all in person so uh which is a good thing actually because then we looked at the business and reevaluated it um but it's been tough like you mentioned earlier the trajectory of, of starting a business and um you, you, everyone thinks so oh that you've been lucky you've got all the contracts henry you know like things just, oh, it just worked out for you but, but um people don't see the ups and downs so one thing i've tried to do within reason is, is share the ups and downs because running a business isn't isn't just you just you don't grow you grow and you shrink and you grow and you shrink and you hire someone and someone quits and you get a client and someone sacks you and, and you, you have a great month, you have a bad month, you have a full workshop and you have a half full workshop and you run a sales marketing funnel and it works and then you run one and it's shit. And it, that's what business is about, trial and error and having the faith from doing it and, and sometimes doing something and failing at it and learning from it and getting better at it. And um, it's, it's been a fascinating journey 
had I known the challenges ahead of me, if someone had laid it all out and said, here's what you're going to go for, I don't think I'd have quit. I'd have just stayed in my job. I'd have been like, no, I'm not. Well, you know, I'm going to burn through the money in a year and then I'm going to be skint for a bit and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to have a good month and a bad month, a good month. No, I'll just stay here. This is like smooth and it's easy and I can have a day off and I can have sick pay and I can drive the van and this is whatever music I want and I can have free wine. Like, I'm going to quit. Fuck that. I'm not doing any of that stuff. Like, if someone had shown me what it looked like. Um, but it is a, it's been a brilliant, brilliant decision. I do think you have to be a certain type of person to run your own business, though. Like, when we go to Expert Empires, we are surrounded by other nutters, aren't we? Other f***ing idiots that, that quit. <laughs> I've had an idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do this. You're going to coach tree surgeons? How's that work? How's that possible? And you, you meet these crazy people, but they're all on the same kind of thinking, the same kind of level. Um, and, like, I speak to my team about this on occasion. They'll bring it up, and they'll, they'll, they'll give me some things that they're struggling with. And, and they'll say, um, oh, sorry, you've probably got loads on your mind at the moment. I said, it's cool. I run a business. So I have to have lots of things on my mind, and I've got other things to sort out. And they're like, I could not do that. And I'm like, yeah, that's because you're not a business owner and it's not really your thing. And that's cool. Not everyone can run a business. Um, some people have to work at a company. And I was looking back at that time when I drove a van, I, was, I must have been, was a great employee for them because I generated loads of marketing and loads of noise. I've worked really hard and I came up with loads of ideas and I sorted all the IT out. I was in control of all of their stuff. And but it must have been a nightmare as well because they must have been looking going, he's going to fucking leave in a minute, isn't he? He's going to leave. <laughs> he's going to leave. They could just tell he was going to... And now I'm just that classic kind of, I'm doing air quotes on the podcast, but I'm unemployable now. I didn't know who's going to employ me now. That I'm just I'm just not employable now because I'm going to be a pain in the ass if I work somewhere in the employee. <laughs> yeah, absolutely love that. You're right. We, you know, we are... It does take a certain type of person to run a business and like what my mentor kevin paneskis he calls it calls us weirdos and he gets everyone in the room when we're doing a training course point each other call each other weirdos because we're the weirdos who are cracking on at different times of the day and we're not you know just that just just necessarily watching netflix and you know just doing that thing which is nothing wrong with by the way you know the people that do want to go and work for someone you know everyone's on their own own journey own goal own own kind of values the things they want to do but you're right it definitely does take a certain type of person and then you're also right that I think when you start a business, you're quite naive to what's coming up ahead. If you really knew what was going to be along the way, then you'd think, fuck that. I'm just going to carry on doing what I'm doing because you wouldn't, I wouldn't, think it like, needs that kind of, yeah. You're comfortable, aren't you, there? And you're like, well, this is all right. I've got a continue. I've got, you think, you, this, is the, this is the bullshit you tell yourself. You think you've got guaranteed wage. You think everything's going to be okay. And then something like COVID comes along, 20, or 2020 came along. Let's not blame it on the virus. Let's blame it on everything else that happened. Something happened and then it's, everything stopped. And then it's like, nothing was guaranteed, was it? Like I looked at companies and I thought, oh, they're smashing it. I'm sure Amazon did fantastically well out of it. But plenty of companies, very bad, like Ikea did very badly for a long time. And you look at some companies and some setups and you think, yeah, nothing's really that guaranteed. So actually you may as well be not guaranteed driving your own ship than being on someone else's boat. Go, no, turn around, there's a fucking iceberg. No one's turning around. <laughs> at least it's your fault if you hit the iceberg. Like, well, I can take that. I mean, at least it was my decision. And, you know, I, it was kind of my trajectory that did it. Um, I, but that's my view as a business owner. Maybe some people are like, I'd rather not know. Just hit the iceberg. I don't care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just hit the iceberg and we'll work out when we've got a raft afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I'll blame you and I'll sue you and I'll get I'll get statutory sick pay. And I don't know. It's a different kind of mindset, isn't it, with the business owner? It's like, shit, I've done it the iceberg. I'd have to repair that boat. <laughs> different ways of looking at it. Yeah, you're definitely right. Because when my business went under a few years ago, I, you know, there was no one, I, there was no one else to blame but me. You know, I was, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm the captain of this ship. I'm the one that sank it. So I've got, to, I've got to do something about it. And it's, I think it's easy some, sometimes to be able to blame other things, isn't it? But you know, when it's when you're in charge of your own destiny, without sounding too too cheesy, you, it's down to you to make shit happen. And you know, I say MSH is my little acronym of just make shit happen like we are as business owners in in the position like if we want to go health forever and work long long days and you know create a, a massive business we can do that or if we just want to like sit back and take some time and just 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 plateau for a few months that's it within our decision to make that and that's what makes it such a rewarding thing and it is challenging and it can be hectic and we've had trying to deal with like you say with all these different thoughts and, st and trying to spin lots of plates but i don't think we'd have it any other way would you not not now not not now i've taken whatever color pill it is in the matrix no i, I, <laughs> I, I now, now i've experienced it and you know i've got the the, the the cool stuff that comes with running your own business like you said there you know you can you can go faster go slower kind of go different directions saying yes or no to clients which we, we definitely do we attract the right type of people we just we, we we repel the wrong type hopefully and if one 
happens to come through the chink in the armor of our brand, which really puts off corporates and uh, non uh, like stuffy corporates anyway. Um, if one comes through, like they're just not right for us, let's just not work with them. Whereas if you're in a job, you're like you're going to have a nightmare. Like you've got to look after Mr. Smith. He pays us loads of money. Fuck Mr. Smith and his money. I'm not interested in his money. I I want to make a difference and I want to do this and I want to do that. Um, so th there's lots of really cool stuff that now I, I just I couldn't give up and you know if I can I can't see myself working in someone else's marketing agency and writing copy for someone I don't like or doing social media for someone that's like I don't align with the values of the company and I just I feel spoiled now. I, I don't think I can go back. Yeah, love absolutely love that. Love that. So I've got a question for you, Todd. What does um what does failure mean to you? What does fail forward mean to you? Like I like the, the name of your podcast, by the way. Fail forward is a quote that my um, business coach uses all the time. Fail forward. Um, failure is still something I fear. If I'm honest, um, it's something I avoid far too often. Um, I'm still fairly. I'm probably too risk adverse to be a business owner. Uh, I feel um, that's unfair of me to say it to myself, but I just did. Um, it's it's the bit I'm like, it's the next challenge, really. I've, I've kind of given up drinking, given up a wife, I've given up a job, I've moved house, I've started a company. And the fear thing is like, this is a fascinating thing that is a good, it serves you well, it's great, I get why it works. I've read books about the brain, I'm like, okay, cool, I get it. But I really just want to make some decisions and get over the fear. Um, so failure for me is like entrenched, kind of soaked in fear. And maybe I need to sober up from it a little bit, <laughs> from the drug of fear. Um, you definitely learn when you fail, 100%. And we've all had bad months, good months. And every time we have a, a, a bad moment or week or something, I mean, it used to be bad months, but now bad days, which is good. I've, I've started to respond, not react. So I respond quicker, not react fast. And look at it and, and things happen. You think, okay, what's the lesson? And I'm, I'm, although at the moment I'm not as good at actually getting the lesson from it, and I still get pissed off when things don't go well, it's getting closer to when the event happens to when I say, right, there's a lesson here. What is the lesson? How can we move on from it? I get we've got to dwell for a few hours. I get it. Lick your wounds. Let's get back on again. I'm just about getting to that phase now. I feel like I'm years late on this fucking thing. Like, <laughs> I've just sort of ploughed on for it. But for me, it's really about, it's, it's easy to look back and go, oh, yeah, fuck, that was a lesson. And you think, but I've just wasted like six months of not using that lesson. I think the real, the true value in, in, in screwing things up has been, oh, I screwed something up. Amazing. Where's the lesson? <laughs> how, did, how can we improve this? And I, I said it to my team all the time. If we make the odd mistake, um, something happened yesterday, which wasn't even a mistake. And I said to my team, look, I'm glad it all ended well. I'm glad that the, the outcome was great. What can we learn from it? And the lesson that, that one of my team said, I was like, that's a brilliant lesson. Let's just implement that. Perfect. So that for me is where we're at with it. Well, it's very difficult when it's a big fuck up though, because all you want to do is just uh, like, just go, in, I don't know, in a dark corner and lick your wounds and feel bad about yourself and say, oh, fuck it, I'll just get a job and all this shit comes out. It's all there. It's all in my head all the time. Um, but yeah, fail forward, pick the lessons up, take them with you. Yeah, definitely. I th you're definitely right. And I don't think anyone really wants to fail, but I think you're right. Being aware of it and then learning from it is the, is the absolute key. You know, I spent 10 years not learning from failure and all these tiny little failures turned into my big failure because I wasn't seeing all the small failures along, along the way. I was too ignorant to it. Didn't want to sit deal with it. Didn't want to learn from it. And I don't think you ever truly. People won't want to fail. But if I could, if I could have done anything, I would have failed faster and quicker to be able to then, you know, in a big way to be able to learn. But now it's about picking up those small failures, like seeing those small ones, those those daily ones, and then going stopping that compounding into a big failure. So I don't think it's ever going to be natural for people. And I think you probably actually fear failure less than you realize i think it's just uncomfortable when when something goes wrong but they are the biggest learning points that you ever get because when business is uh, never easy but when it's simple and things are going well then there's not the learning points there um because you're like okay cool well, I'm, I'm gonna arrive this things are going well it's it's the so right you just keep doing the same thing don't you you just do this but if it's right you just do the same thing yeah. it's like great are we growing? Nah, no. we're okay. Yeah, yeah, we're okay. Yeah, we feel comfortable. <laughs> this is cool. I'm going to go with it. Uh, but, but Joe always says to me, "Why can't we just have some like? Why can't it just be stable for a while?" I'm like, "That's just not life, is it? Like, there isn't a suspension underneath life. It's not smooth. You can't put it on comfort. It's just not how it works. Like, well, it, you can, but if you're not learning and growing, then you know, if you're a plant, you're dead. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Exactly that. Yeah.
Yeah, I love that. Love that saying, you know, always growing and moving forward. And that's where getting out your comfort zone. And when you get out your comfort zone and push out, things aren't going to always go to plan. They're not always going to go right. But that's where we can sort of pick ourselves up and go again. So, yeah, yeah, I love that insight. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's as you say, it's hard. It's it's um, it is uncomfortable. I think that's a great way of describing it because you are fighting yourself, which is a phrase I've used a lot. You're, you're kind of fighting against your inner solid hard wiring that, that in theory has kept you safe your whole life. I mean, there's a lot of arguments for and against that, and it is very challenging, very uncomfortable to be like, I've read this thing in a book, and I reckon we're going to do it. <laughs> the whole of your body and mind is like, fuck no, <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs> that's not happening. We're not doing that. I don't care which business coach tells you it's okay with it. And then, then at some point, and my business coach knows this, he'll sort of suggest something to me. And about six weeks later, I go, Kevin, I've had an idea. I think we should do this and it's like, brilliant idea, Todd. And then about six weeks later, okay, that was my fucking idea. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, I'd break that into you. <laughs> <laughs> and I just waited until you're okay with it. And that window is shortening too, um, as same as the responding react window. So yeah, we're a work in progress, aren't we? We're working in perfection. Mm, always. I really love that, working in perfection. So Todd, it was just coming to the end now. Thank you so much for being on the Fail For podcast. I've really, really enjoyed today and it's been an epic um episode for our listeners so if people would want to work with um your marketing agency how would they get in contact with you obviously put some links within the, in the bio but what's the best person what's the best way to get in contact with you just find us on social media i mean we walk the walk one of the reasons i started the agency was other marketing agencies don't use social media so just put spaghetti agency into a browser and find us and chat to us on instagram linkedin facebook our website We'll respond. Someone said the other day, like they, they contacted us on our website and uh, Jess and my team responded in about 10 minutes. And he said, oh my God, you've replied. And she went, well, that's kind of the idea of a contact form. And she said, I've, replied, I've contacted other people and none of them replied. We're like, weird concept. <laughs> weird, <laughs> <what you're> <laughs> Whatever. Well, it doesn't work for us. So yeah, just obviously, just if you want to find out what we do. Our website's got loads of blogs and stuff on there and there's an email, all the usual stuff. So yeah, come check us out. As Nick James would say, the more you connect, the more you collect. Yeah, I love that. It's a great phrase. Yeah, every time he says it, expert empires, I'm like, I should remember that. And now you've just reminded me of it again. <laughs> yeah, I'm going up there tomorrow, and I'm sure I'll see it on the wall somewhere. But yeah, it, it's great, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing me catching up with you in March at the next M expert empires, which is we were just talking about that before we came on onto this podcast of how much it's like a buzz to go to that event every six months, isn't it? Just before we go, I think it's going to be an interesting crowd, you know, because Joe Wicks is one of the keynotes, and he's a real fit guy, you know fitness guy but a different kind of fitness guy to some of the people that we know so it's going to attract a, an interesting crowd it will be quite interesting to see the change in dynamic because uh, i don't know how many of those you've been to but every time you go there's a you've got the core like you guys that are coached by nick and then the rest of them are very different all the headliners bring them in so i'm intrigued to see what that audience is going to be like uh, with, with joe wicks yeah, well, like the audience last time were just like a lot of a lot of females that absolutely love Stephen Bartlett because one hundred percent and a young <laughs> yeah. crowd too. And that, young that crowd, the it young was great. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was really good, really entertaining. So, and he was he was great as well. That was a really good way to wrap up, up those couple of days. So, but right, brilliant. Thanks so much for coming on, Todd. I really appreciate your time. And um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening to the Fail Four podcast. And I'll see you next time. Bye.